0: All right, well good morning. We continue our series the eighteen. Uh, just to kind of give you some forward focus on what's happened after we finish this series, we're going to go through a series on the Gospel of John, which I'm extremely excited about, so we hope that you'll join us for that as well. Uh, we had a ton of announcements. If you didn't notice, uh, David had a whole notebook full of stuff, and uh, sometimes that's hard to keep track of, so I do want to plug our cpf.me webpage. You can easily turn that into uh, like a little app on your phone. If you see our CrossPoint C right there, all I'd have to do is hit it. And it takes me right to the webpage and I can find all of those announcements on that webpage. And so, uh, or at least the majority of the important events that are coming up, you can find those announcements. And so if you need help with how to create the app on your phone, I'd be more than happy to help you do that. I know that I use it quite a bit to just remind myself of when things are taking place. And so I did want to go ahead and plug that. I'm excited about all the things that we have coming up, especially the basketball. I can't wait to show these young whippersnappers what's up and probably roll my ankle within the first couple minutes. So let's be honest about what's really going to happen. I showed Tyler what was up at camp. I mean, I I think I shot like three for 22 last year when we were uh, together, and uh, he carried our team almost all the way to the finals, all by his lonesome, but... (laughs) That's a, that's a different story for a different day. Today, we look at the story of Esther and Mordecai and the art of guidance. I'm extremely excited about it. Uh, I want to just kind of give you some background. But first and foremost, guys, great leaders surround themselves with great support. It's kind of what makes them great leaders is that they have people around them that can really help them be successful at their task and, and guide them, as we're going to look at today, uh, when they need that. Successful teams thrive when the leader of a said team is willing to listen to those that aren't necessarily the final decision makers. I hope that makes sense. Uh, the president, right, has his cabinet Jesus had the 12 and uh, he was doing a lot more teaching than listening, but he surrounded himself with that support in order to finish his mission. Coaches have their assistants. You know, a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. It's a saying that I did not create in case you were wondering. So today we look at Esther and Mordecai and we discuss the art of guidance. Now, starting in Esther chapter 1. We're not going to read it all. We're going to look really at like the first four chapters today. We're not going to read it all because that's a lot of scripture, but I am going to quickly synopsize what's taking place here. So in chapter 1, we see King Xerxes not to be confused with King Artaxerxes, who we mentioned last week, which is the answer to a trivia question on our Facebook page that will get you a $10 uh, gift card to Black Lab Coffees. So whichever one of you whips your phone out and goes to Facebook and answers that question first is going to get that gift card, and I will forgive you for not paying attention to me and answering that question now. Uh, If you want to do that, but not to be confused with Artaxerxes, Xerxes was most likely his father or grandfather. But in chapter one, we see King Xerxes. Xerxes had a queen named Vashti. Vashti was a beautiful, beautiful woman, Uh, but they weren't exactly in a loving relationship, especially in this kingdom. Uh, King and queen were more of placeholders and uh, there wasn't like a lot of actual relationship going on. They would go at times months without seeing one another. They live pretty much separate lives. And so what we see in chapter one is King Xerxes is throwing this party. King Vashti is throwing a separate party. They're having a great time. And then King Xerxes wants to show off. He wants people to see his beautiful queen. And so he sends for her. He says, go go get Queen Vashti and bring her here so that we may gaze upon her. We may look at her. She can be a part of this. And she says, no way, not coming, don't want to. Uh, that didn't go so well with King Xerxes, and uh, he gets angry, and he's advised by his advisors to banish her from his presence, to never see her again, to remove her title of queen, and to find himself a new queen. I know it seems harsh, but again, this is not at all a loving relationship. And so she Uh, what happens after that point is that he starts this process of wanting to find a new queen. And one of those candidates is Esther, one of many candidates. And if you read through, there's some craziness that you read. Before any of these women were actually able to be in Xerxes' presence, they had to undergo over a year of beauty treatments, a year of beautifying themselves and covering themselves in fine oils and bathing and all these things. They had to be in their best, their, their, their best possible, uh, state before they went before the king and with the whole goal of trying to impress this man. And so Esther is one of many that is taken into the king's harem. And she was advised during this time by her uncle Mordecai, guided by her uncle Mordecai, not to let anyone know that she was of Jewish heritage because the Jews weren't really highly favored people at this time in this geographical place. And so we're told in chapter two, verse 20, Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality, just as Mordecai had told her to do so, for she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up. What we learn in this moment, at least what I took away from this moment at this place in scripture, is that in order for guidance to be effective, we have to have the trust of those that we are advising. In order for guidance to be effective, we have to have the trust of those that we are advising. We've all had people try to offer us advice, try to guide us down a certain path, and you think in the back of your head, yep, not listening to you, right? Like, you're the last person I'm taking advice from. Hopefully that person's not me. Don't tell me if it is. I'll, I'll cry and up on stage in front of everybody. But trust is earned. It's not just given, right? Trust is something that we earn. earned. It takes time. Uh, in this relationship between Mordecai and Esther, it was established over years. All throughout her childhood, she had been raised up to trust Mordecai because from her past, from the time of being a child, every time he advised her, he advised her well. Esther listened to his guidance because his advice had been proved over and over. Or as old school uh, worship people would write, or and or, or and or. You're welcome for that tidbit. Right, but o- over time, he had benefited her. Over time, when he had advised her, she had found that advice to be good. It wasn't ever about self-service for him. It wasn't ever about self-gratification. It wasn't ever about self promotion. It always had been about what was best for her. See, great teammates aren't in it for them. They're in it for the success of others, and they offer guidance with that in mind. When guidance is really successful, when we really want to be that guiding force for somebody, it's really got to all be about them. I'm offering you this guidance because it's what is best for you, not because it's what's best for me, not because it's going to help me promote myself or make things better in my situation. I'm offering this because in the end, I truly, truly believe that it is what's best for you. Great leaders are able to remove themselves from that equation and offer sound advice and sound guidance because of the love that they have for those they are trying to guide. And it's because of this trust that we see between Mordecai and Esther that we see Esther go before King Xerxes later in the book of Esther with um, an assassination plot that Mordecai had actually unearthed. So what happens is Mordecai... It says, after Esther has been chosen, Esther has been found highly favored. She's beautiful as well. And for whatever reason, God, King Xerxes says, Esther's the one I want, right? So after she's made queen and they're kind of still living their separate lives, a more loving relationship than what was taking place with Vashti, but still the relationship that you would expect in this kingdom. And so Mordecai is sitting by the city gate and he hears some higher officials in Xerxes' uh kingdom, whatever, however you want to say that, kind of plot his assassination. They're, they're plotting in ways to kill him. And so he goes before or Esther, he goes to Esther, he calls for Esther and Esther comes and he says, Esther, this is exactly what I've heard and you need to go tell him. And so she goes before King Xerxes with this assassination plot and offers him this information. Now this information, it's proven to be true, but here's the thing. Esther's really taking a risk. She's really, really, really taking a risk right now because if she goes before Xerxes and she says, these are two of your high up officials, I have discovered that they're trying to kill you and he goes through this investigation and finds out that's not the case or doesn't believe that it's the case, she dies, right? Like Ivan Drago, if she dies, she dies. Like that's the situation. That's what's going on right now. So she's really taking a chance because this could cost her her life, not her title, not her position like which would happen with Vashti, not even her freedom, her life, her life. And what I take away from that is that guidance from a trusted source inspires others to take chances. Guidance from a trusted source inspires others to take chances. You see, with any big undertaking that we are a part of, there are times where we're going to have to take some chances. There are times where we're going to have to take that leap of faith, where we're going to have to step out of our comfort zone and really do some things that that we're not a hundred percent sure of. And a lot of times, you're going to need people to kind of give you that friendly push of, "Hey, take this chance. You know, make mistakes, get messy, miss frizzle, right? Like, it's okay. It's okay." But if that trust isn't there, if we don't have a good track record with people and the advice that we've given, we're never going to be able to lead them into that place where they take those chances. But victories are rarely won by those who constantly play it safe. Victories are rarely won by those that constantly play it safe. You may stay in the game, so to speak. You may keep things competitive, But if we're wanting to win, if we're wanting to succeed in whatever task it is that we are undertaking, we can't just sit back and always play it safe. After all, faith is the willingness to take chances because of the trust that we have in God. That's what faith is. It's a willingness to say, I will step out and I will do what God is calling me to do, even though I may not be comfortable, even though I may not feel qualified, even though I may not feel like this is right now the right decision. I'm going to have faith because I feel that God is pushing me to do that. And in this instance, Esther trusted that Mordecai was a, not just a good person to offer her guidance, but also a godly person to offer her guidance. She could trust growing up with Mordecai, seeing the way that he lived his life, knowing that he sought every day to follow God and to live his best life for God, She could trust that this advice wasn't just earthly advice, but godly advice. And that's pretty important. Victories are not won by those that play it safe. And I'm going to be really honest with you. Mordecai, if we continue our story with the rest of the Jews in the region, really needed her to be able to take chances. They needed her to step out of her comfort zone because there came a time where it was required that she do so in order to save their lives. So if we're in chapter 3, uh, we're looking at Esther. There is this jerk named Haman. Now, Haman is uh, a noble, we'll call him. He's wealthy. Uh, He's well-respected by those in Xerxes' kingdom. He's well-respected by Xerxes himself. And Haman wants people to pay homage to him. He wants people to bow down to him. He wants people to respect his standing. And Mordecai refuses to do it. Mordecai is not going to bow to a man. He's not going to make an idol out of a man. He's not going to treat Haman like he's a god. He bows down to Yahweh, and that is it. Well, Haman, as you can imagine, being a jerk, doesn't like that. How dare you not show me respect. And so he goes to King Xerxes and he tells Xerxes, Xerxes, there is this people group. They are called the Jews. They do not respect our customs. They are not like us. They will weave their way into our society and they will be the cause of its downfall. Please issue a decree to allow us to go and hunt them down and kill them, right? Like straight up the Grinch he wants to hunt them down and gut them like a fish. That is his goal. That is his absolute goal. And he even offers this kind of like uh, an incentive to the king. I will give you money. I will give you anything you want. Let me do this and I will give you money. And Xerxes, respecting Haman and his standing in the culture, says, keep your money. Do with him as you wish. He gives him his signet ring which is the seal that says you can do whatever you want, basically. And now they're going throughout the kingdom and they are looking to exterminate Jews. Well, we're told in uh, chapter four, verse one through three, it says, when Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and ashes. He went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly, but he only went as far as the king's gate. He still respected their customs. It tells us this because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter it. In every province to which the edict and order of the king came, there was a great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many lay in sackcloth and ashes. What happens after this is Esther kind of catches wind of what's happening. News gets back to her that her uncle is in mourning that he is in the greatest expression of grief that this time had to offer. He is basically clothless. He's wearing an old, dirty potato sack. Think of it in that way. And he covers himself in literal ashes and literal dust and literal dirt, and he is wailing. He is, I mean, aggrieved. And not just a show of, I'm upset. This man truly is to the point where he feels like it's this or it's death. So she goes to Mordecai and she says, Mordecai, what's going on? Let's make this better and come to me. He refuses. He can't even think about seeing her at this time. He just grieves. So eventually she comes and she, her personally, and she says, what's happening? What's going on? And he tells her about the edict that the king had issued and about what Haman had done right? And he says, you have to go before the king. You have to fight for your people. And you know what she says? "Uh Uh-uh. That's her first response. No way. No way. Because here's the rule. No one goes before the king. You don't go before the king. The king calls for you or you stay away, right? That's what's happening. She hasn't seen him in a month. Can you imagine that? Your spouse not even asking to see you in a month. She's thinking, I am not highly favored right now. He didn't want anything to do with me. He has not asked to see me in 30 days, in a solid month. And you want me to go before him. You know the rule. If he doesn't extend his golden scepter towards me, if he doesn't say, hey, I'm glad you're here, I'm dead. You're going to cost me my life. But Mordecai, speaking with her, says, Don't think that just because you're in the king's household, you'll be excused from this edict. Not in this place. Not in this culture. Not in this kingdom. You're a Jew. It will be found out, and you too will be destroyed. She's scared. She's scared, and rightfully so. She's scared, and rightfully so. You better wait to be summoned. You better absolutely wait. But in the end, she agrees. She agrees. She tells Mordecai, okay, I will go before him. I will seek his favor. I I will seek to have this overturned to save all of our lives, but I need you to do something for me. I need you to go and gather the Jews and lead them in a time of fasting and prayer. And for three days, I want you to fast, and I want you to pray. And after that, after we seek the favor of God, then I will go before the king. I will go before the king. You see, guidance in a strong team relationship is reciprocal. Guidance in a strong team relationship is reciprocal, meaning that when you give good guidance, people want to give good guidance to you right? And that's what she's doing. She's not just saying, hey, do this on my behalf. She's seeking for Mordecai to go and lead their people in fasting and prayer for the success of all, for the lives of all. Seek God's face now so that he may have favor on us because she knows an expression of faith here. She knows that God has the end answer, He is the ultimate answer here. And so if she really wants to find favor with King Xerxes, who they really need to find favor with is God because God can control Xerxes, right? God can control his attitude. God can control his ways. If they really want to find favor, then that's how it's going to be done. You see, guidance given begets guidance received. And when we give good guidance and when we seek to improve the lives of others, we can trust the guidance given back to us. Because when people see that we are for them, people see that we're trying to improve their lives, when people see that we're trying to make things better, they sincerely want to do the same for us. What goes around truly comes around. I believe that's a principle that we see in the Bible. An eye for an eye, so to speak, almost right? But when when we are seeking to improve the lives of others, then they seek to improve our lives as well. I will give you, here's a promise I'm going to give you guys as your pastor, as a person that gets up here and tries to lead you through scripture weekly, I will give you my best always, always. I will give you my very best. I will do my very best to make sure that the things I lead you to, the way that I interpret scripture, is as true and factual to the message that's in scripture as humanly possible. I will do my best to guide you. You may not always agree with me. I understand that, but I will always do my best to give you sound, godly guidance. Will you give me your best? Will you give me your best? Because. We talked about it throughout the series. I hope y'all need me. Maybe just a little bit. I hope somewhere you need me, but I can promise you that I need you. I need your guidance. I need to know when things are good. I need to know when things are bad. I need to know things that are working. I need to know things that are not. We, the people in this room, are the church. We are Crosspoint, and we are only as strong as our weakest link. And I'm more than willing to admit that at times that weakest link might be me. But I will give you my best. Please give me yours, just like Esther did for Mordecai, just like Mordecai did for Esther. Here's the thing. You might just save my life. I promise you that you're at least going to make it better. You're at least going to make it better. And I hope that through our time together, and not just here at church, but in all your relationships, in your marriage, in your friendships, in your workplace, that you can find success in loving one another and guiding one another and, and in really becoming what a team is supposed to be. Let's pray, shall we? God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this time and for your word and for what it is that you can teach us through it. God, I feel like every time I open your book, even though I've read these stories, it feels like hundreds, if not thousands of times, I learn something. I learn something. You change me. You help me grow. You make me stronger. You make me better. We are the body of Christ, we are a family in God. And these are my brothers and my sisters. And God, I just pray that you would help us to strengthen one another. You would help us to guide one another you would help us to remove ourselves from the equation where we may want to be self-serving, where we may want to self-promote, where we may want to make things better for old number one. God, I pray that you remove that selfishness from us, that you give us a heart for one another. And not just for one another, God, but for the community that surrounds us. At the end of the day, that is what it's all about. It's about serving others for the kingdom. And I hope throughout this series, God, we have found ways to improve as teammates. That we have found ways to get better for one another. I thank you for the story of Esther and Mordecai. I thank you that you guide us. That that you have given us your spirit to show us the way that you would have us go. God, may we reflect that relationship. May we have people in our lives who we can have as much faith in as we have in you. Knowing that, hey, even if things don't turn out the greatest, we know that they guided us, they gave us advice with the best intention at heart. Help us to be people of such character that we become that for someone else. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. I want to do this before I forget. So give me just a moment. But we had somebody join us in membership this week. Becky West. I told her I was going to do this. So she decided on Wednesday night to become a member of our church. And I want to celebrate that because that is a special thing. And we are so glad to have you. I know you've been coming. She's faithful. She's here. She's plugged in. She's growing. Uh, she is one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. And I will tell you, she makes my life better on a daily basis because every time I'm around her, I laugh at least twice. And that is a godly gift. And so we are so glad that you're a part of Cross Point officially, even though you have been a part of our church for a while now. And so I wanted to celebrate that. If you would like to also become a member of our church, we would love to have you. And I can tell you that is sincere. You will find that this is one of the most loving, uh, passionate groups who wants to do life together. And uh, if you want to build relationship, there are plenty of folks here who will build relationship with you. And so if you want to join our church, just know you can talk to me about that after service today. We would be so, so honored to have you. On to even more important things than that. If you need to discuss salvation today... If you need to discuss your relationship, your standing with Jesus today, let's do that. We need to do that. That is the most important discussion you'll ever have. It's the most important decision that you'll ever make. And I want to have that discussion with you if you feel God leading you down that path. Next week, we are having an awesome, just wonderful worship service. We have a worship service every week. I know that, but we're going to focus on times of prayer. We're going to focus on times of just singing to God, times where you don't have to hear me speak, which is good sometimes. Amen. We also, uh, if you are someone out there who hasn't ever been baptized or Maybe you were baptized once and it didn't really have any meaning for you and now you understand it better and it will. Or you just want to talk about baptism uh any way, shape, or form. Uh, I can fit that baptismal in the back of my truck at any point and bring it here and we want to baptize you and we would love to be able to do that for you next week. We're also going to uh, partake in the Lord's Supper, which is always... Um, a special time for those of you that have placed your faith and trust in Jesus. And uh, if you don't know what that is or have questions about why we do that and how we do that, Come see me, but I am really excited for next week's service, and uh, it's been a long time since we've had one of these, to be honest, and so my hope is that you will be here for a time of worship, a time of prayer, a time of reflection and meditation where you can come and just worship God in a different way next week, and so please be here for that. Uh, I don't know. We may have some other surprises for you, but I, I love these services. I'm super excited about them. I promise I'll shut up here pretty soon. But uh, if you can't tell that I genuinely think that next week is important, uh, I think you're crazy. So please be here next week. Uh, be ready to worship, and uh, I'm excited. I'm also excited because right now we get to do that. We get to worship. So stand and worship. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna have Chase stand back under that TV, uh, and he's ready to pray with you. Uh, Joy, I'm gonna have you stand over there. Allie, I'm going to have you stand in the back if you will do that. Uh, I'm going to stand kind of back by the trash can. So you've got four points of prayer. You've got gentlemen and ladies. If you need to pray about anything today, anything, somebody else for yourself, come pray with us. There is power in prayer. God moves. He listens. Okay. And uh, we saw that today in our story on Esther and Mordecai. So if you need to pray, come pray. Otherwise, stand and worship with us.